Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hello, and welcome to the Publicly Challenged Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Oswald, and I hope you join me on my quest for knowledge to become a better public land hunter, angler, and forager. Stick with this, and who knows, maybe we will learn something together. First, before we get to the show, I want to talk about Treeline Academy. TreelineAcademy.net is the most comprehensive e-scouting course out there on the market. It's truly remarkable. It's helped me even with my whitetail stuff. And Mark just keeps adding more content to the point to where I don't even ever know if I'll truly finish the course because it keeps just dumping modules in everybody's lap. But it's great because you're continually learning. And for the price, you get $20 off with the coupon code PC2020. And it's a two-year subscription. So that's PC2020. Save yourself 20 bucks. And the next thing I'd like to talk about is base maps. Base maps is awesome. I've used it for almost all my hunting in, in I mean, all the deer hunting last season that I did. Uh, and it was just truly awesome. I like dropping smart markers, having all that hunt data, as long as I've got a cell phone signal. And now they've upgraded their offline maps. So they're five times faster than the old ones. And I can't wait to get out in the field and try those out too. So. Subscribe to BaseMap online, not on the app. Use the promo code PC25 and save 25% off your order. Remember, that's online only on the website, not on the app. PC25, save yourself 25%. I'd also like to talk about our giveaway. Publicly Challenged is giving away a spot to Ryan Lampers' Western Hunting Summit. You've got people like Brian Barney, Cody Rich. You've got Mark Livesey there. Uh, I believe like so many other people are coming there. It, it, it's crazy. The amount of mentorship and learning that you're going to get from this, it's going to advance your, your hunting career by like four or five years minimum. 
just gaining the experience from all these dudes to just straight up kill it year after year. I mean, they truly are the 1% of the, the, the hunting industry. And I mean, their success proves it. And if they're willing to share that information, it's so great. So we're giving away a spot to the Western Hunting Summit in June. And uh, it's in Bozeman, Montana. Once you get there, you got, got a campsite, all kinds of cool stuff. You can listen to my episode, episode number 65 with Ryan Lampers, and it talks all about the details of the giveaway in the end of the episode. Plus, you can learn about the Hunting Summit and how it came to be and all the great details of it. So check that out and send an email to admin at publiclychallenged.com, deserve to go, or why you want to go, or nominate somebody. And just send it to admin at publiclychallenged.com. Follow Western Hunting Summit on Instagram. Follow Publicly Challenged on Instagram. And we're going to pick a winner in the month of April. So get signed up. Get, get, get ready to go. Um, and just tell us why you want to go. It's so awesome. It's a great opportunity. And on top of that, Initial Ascent has decided to give the winner of this giveaway, Initial Ascent 2K Pack. I use the 2K pack and I absolutely freaking love it. I even use it for my whitetail hunting. So you don't want to miss out on a great opportunity like that. So also go follow Initial Ascent and uh, we're going we're gonna to pick a winner and somebody's going to get an awesome giveaway. Not only are they going to get an Initial Ascent pack, but they're going to the Western Hunting Summit. How cool is that? So go sign up, send an email, nominate somebody if you want. Just make sure you put your Instagram handle on the email so we can figure out who it is and uh good luck and now to the episode all right so i'm sitting here and i'm talking to chris labuse and uh chris why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself uh yep my name's uh my name's christopher labuse i'm a 12-year active duty infantryman in the united states army and i am the co-founder with uh i'm the co-founder of the Storytime Project that uh, is out there to prevent veteran suicide. So let's kind of talk about um, your background a little bit with like the military and everything. Um, kind of, you know, what what you do? I mean, I know you're infantry, but like uh, combat deployments, action. What 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 happened that kind of put you in a position to where you you maybe uh, at some point got some help and want to help others? Yeah. So I've done. Uh, four combat deployments, uh, three to Afghanistan, and then one to Syria and Iraq. And like I'm still currently serving in the army, and like it's it's like a frustrating thing. Um, it's 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 like a hard thing to switch on and off. Sometimes uh, you go to these you know countries like yeah, I came from a small town. And I couldn't, I'm not even BSing you, like, I couldn't show you where Afghanistan was before I've been there. And um, these guys go, I went when I was 19 years old. I spent my 19, or no, I went when I was 20, my first deployment, turned 21 in Afghanistan. Um, and then you just come back and it's like the whole world changes. Uh, and I've done that four times now. And I've seen... A lot of dudes that a lot of good dudes uh, that I've lost along the way to both combat action in Afghanistan and Syria, and now at home, seeing these dudes take their lives here, and it's it, it was just like uh, um like a switch went off in my head, 
and because the not not it was like there's there's a stereotype in the army that if you seek behavioral health you're you're like a weak infantryman you're a weak soldier and your career's gone and i was a firm believer in that and like i'm not proud to admit it but when i was a young sergeant young staff sergeant like i didn't believe i needed help and then after my last deployment to syria and iraq i i just took it a lot like that deployment and then those the three prior ones just it just all the pressure started building up and I ended up there, uh, my ex-wife, that's when we had our divorce, was when I was in uh, my last deployment. And the stress of that and the, the, like the, the shock of leaving your house with two kids and a wife and then coming back to nothing, it was like, all right, what do I do now? And I like bottled, a lot, bottled, bottled up a lot of it. And I... Uh, I just started like drinking a ridiculously amount and one day it just like all slipped through and I'm like, you know what, today's the day I'm going to end it. And I called, uh, three good buddies of mine, my platoon sergeant, a squad leader, uh, the first squad squad leader that I was this last deployment and another weapon squad leader from a different platoon. I called them up. I told them that I loved them and to make sure they take care of my kids for me. And the, the squad leader that I was deployed with, uh, he met me at my house and he would not leave me alone. Like he wouldn't leave my room. He wouldn't get out of my house. And like, I was, I was not in a good place. And like, if it wasn't for that dude, I, I would have lost it. I, you know, I wouldn't be here. And then, um, he called the MPs, you know, the military police, they came and they took me to the emergency room. And that's when my platoon sergeant walked in. And he's like, he's like, Chris, I need you guys. I need you to be honest. They're going to bring in this psychiatrist in here. I need you to talk to her. And we need to, we need to get you help, man. And I like in the back of my mind, I was thinking the whole time, like, all right, Chris, you got this. You can bullshit your way out of this. You know, just tell her you're all right. Tell her they're overreacting. All this other, all this other stuff. So I'm like, all right, just bring her in. And this major walks in this female, and it really kind of irritated me too uh, that this major she wasn't a combat MOS. Um, she probably never, or like a lot of those doctors never really fire a rifle or anything like that in combat, so she had no idea where I was coming from. So I already kind of resented that a little bit about her. Like this lady is about to decide my career because that's what I thought. I thought that if I go to this hospital, my career is over, and I just spent twelve years just molding it. And, um, she comes in, she asked me a bunch of questions. She leaves, she comes, like, we, she talked to me about for about, like 30 minutes and she came back 15 minutes later and she's like, all right, staff sergeant, um, we're going to, we're going to send you to a behavioral health facility. And I'm like, I'm like, the fuck if you are, I'm like, I'm not going. Like, I just lost it. Like I, I, I lost it. I'm like, no, I'm not going. You can't make me go. And she's like, sergeant you're going to go or we're going to get the MPs in here. And I'm like, well, you, like, I didn't know what to do. I felt like an animal backed into a corner because I was so scared of going. And I'm like, I remember grabbing the edge of the bed and like shaking it. And I'm like, I was ready for it. I was ready for a fight. And I'm like, well, bring the whole battalion in here, bring this whole company of MPs in here. Cause 
that's what it's going to take me to get me out of this room or to get me to go into the hospital. And um, my platoon sergeant walks back in and he was like, <laughs> like he, he, he wasn't around when that major was talking to me or anything. And he comes in with this like dumbfounded look. He's like, Hey, there's like nine MPs out there right now that are talking about tasing you, man. Like what's going on? And I just started crying and I was like, Brian, they, they don't let dudes, like my thought in it was that guys like us, once they go into that place, they don't come out. Like I thought that they were just going to lock me up and throw away the key. Like that is, and because just like, there was, it was literally like a waterfall. Like everything just come, came like spewing out. I'm like, from the time I had to pick, like we had one time, we had an ID go off in front of us, completely destroyed the Humvee in front of us. And we had to pick those body parts up and we had to organize them. I was 20, doing this at 20 years old. And Brian knew all this about, and we had to organize these dudes to try to figure out what pieces they, what pieces went to what. And I'm like, Brian, like they're gonna lock away the key. They're not gonna let dudes like they're not gonna let this me out of this hospital. You know, all I could see is me wearing like uh, a bathrobe and fuzzy slippers for the next like year, just sitting in a comatose. Because I tried doing the whole, you know, the antidepressants and stuff after my first deployment, and like I didn't like the way they made me feel because they made me feel like I was like almost trapped inside of like an egg. Um. Because, like, I have so much energy inside, but the outside, I couldn't do anything because of the medicine. So I stopped taking it. And um, I just never went back to behavior or, like, uh, seen a professional about it. And um, he's like, Chris, you have to go, man. Like, I understand you're scared. Just go. Like, and they kind of tricked me, like, little bits at a time looking back at it. Because first, Brian was like, just go with the MPs. They'll take you to the emergency room. You'll be fine. And then I get there, then that whole thing went down with the major, and uh, the next, the major's like, okay, we're going to send you, and then Brian's like, they're just going to send you for three days. And I'm like, all right, I can do this. I can grit my teeth for three days. And um, I remember, like, walking out, because finally Brian, my, my platoon sergeant Brian talked me into it, and I'm like, all right, let's go get, let's go knock this out. You know, three days ain't nothing. And I look at Brian, I'm like, all right, tell my squad that I had an emergency, I had to go home because I didn't want them to know where I was at. And then we go, we drive like, a, he drives me like an hour to this hospital. It was in uh, Alexandria, Louisiana. And he, uh, we smoked one more cigarette before I went into the hospital. And I'm like, you know what, man? And that's where it kind of all changed for me. Like that exact moment i was sitting at the bench outside this hospital and i'm like brian tell everybody where i'm at man because if they can see a dude like me can go and get help maybe we can kind of make a dent in this you know this whole if they can see that i can go i can get help and then i can come back and be an infantryman you know still be a soldier still do this stuff then maybe you know we could save some soldiers by doing this and he's like all right yeah i'll tell your soldiers i'll tell you know if they ask where you're at, I'll tell them where you're at, and I'll be straight honest with them. And it was really cool because I ended up having to stay there for a little over two weeks, I think. Yeah, it was like about two weeks. And like every other day, I had 
soldiers, like some of my soldiers came up and visited me. Um, my, you know, my platoon sergeant was up there every day. And a lot of my other, like a lot of my peers were there. And then um, when I got out, I was so nervous when I got out. I was like, man, all right, let's do this. I got out of the hospital and then I went back to work and it was like a 50-50 split. Like 50% of the guys were like, I felt like they kind of treated me like a China doll. They were like, oh, Stash Hunt Abuse is back. Like, be careful. You don't want to break him. You know, he's on the edge type shit. And then like the real like ride or die dudes that I was, that I had been deployed with and they knew me as Chris, not Staff Sergeant Abuse. Um, they were, they were right back on it. Like, I remember walking back into the company and my buddy's like, oh shit, Chris, you got your shoelaces back. And I'm like, yeah, very good, man. Yeah, I got him back, dude. This is moving on up. And um, it really, like, just seeing, like, the impact that a lot of those soldiers that needed help that were afraid because they looked at me, like, before I went to the hospital, they looked at me and they're like, man, Sergeant Beast, like, bullets will bounce off that dude. You know, he's he's done all this stuff. He's He's a bad man, you know? And then... Uh, like I got a lot more respect from them, uh, a majority of them, because they were like, "Man, Annie can go get help, Annie can come back." And because it was two weeks in the hospital, and then two weeks later, after I got out of the hospital, um, we had a uh, a battalion live fire, which is like an exercise. You know, we go out and then we maneuver on an object on a, on a, the excuse me on an objective, and uh, we're shooting live rounds. You know, and there's all these moving pieces, and it was that live fire. Like it was, it was back. I, I was still the same guy on that live fire as I was before. I still ran my weapon squad the same. And honestly, and I tell a lot of people this, that I believe that I ran it better because in the back of my head, there wasn't like I would have to calm myself down on these live fires. Sometimes I'd be like, "All right, these are just dummies out there. They're just targets. They're not gonna shoot back at me." You know what I mean? Like on these ranges. And I would have nightmares after these ranges a lot. But because I went and got help, I felt that I did a lot better on that range right after the hospital because I knew it was just a range. I knew it was just training. I knew those rounds, they were going, they were going away from me, you know? And uh, so, like, the Sergeant Major, my, you know, he was like, he's like, man, so I'll be sure you were shit hot on that. And I'm like, yep, you know, I'm back. Like, let's do this. And that showed a lot of other guys, that showed pretty much everybody that you can go get help and you can, um, you know, you can go get help and you can still be an infantryman. And then um, in, in May, on May 6th of last year, I had lost the, uh, the sixth friend of mine to suicide that I've deployed with. And I, I remember I was turkey hunting and uh my wife she's from the city so uh she was this is all this stuff was brand new to her so i would take her out hunting with me and i she was still in the blind and i went and got the d i was getting the decoys out and i pull my i hear my phone vibrate i I feel my phone vibrate i pull it out and i see my buddy austin he texts me he's like justin killed himself last night and i was just like me me and justin were pretty good friends like we worked with each other like we went out a couple times together and stuff like that and we deployed together. And, uh, but the thing that really hit me is that I could have been him. You know, he had, 
he has three kids, um, you know, he's married, all this other stuff. Like, that could have been me, you know? And he just didn't reach out or or what I, you know what I mean? Like, he just didn't go get the help. And it was like, every, like, the world just stopped while I was in the middle. I was literally in the middle of picking up the decoys. And my wife's like, well, she's like, She's like, what's wrong, Chris? And I'm like, one of my buddies, another one of my buddies killed himself. And after the hospital, I stopped drinking. I, you know what I mean? Stop, like, I don't touch. I've been sober for over a year now. Well, after the hospital, I teetered off drinking, but I've been completely sober for a year now, over a year. And um, uh, so I didn't drink. I wasn't drinking at the time. I knew from, like, counseling in the hospitals and stuff like that that an answer wasn't at the bottom of that bottle. So I sat at the end of my bed and I just like racked and racked my brain and I started doing all, I just started like looking into different things like, um, like suicide rates of veterans. Um, and then I also used like my own experiences and some of the things that I hated about the hospitals was it was nobody knew exactly what, like what goes on in, on a deployment. And um, so it didn't feel like you can really open to anybody. And then I noticed that a lot of these suicides from soldiers, uh, the two big, it's always like a big life-changing factor that happens. And it, uh, you know, like 80% of it is either financial or, um, or like uh, marriage, like relationship related. And a lot of those two big stressors get put on by PCS. Uh, or which is primary change of station. And uh, so what happens is, is like what happened with Story and a lot of the other, these other guys, they spend like three, four years with this group of dudes. They get this bond going and then they PCS, they move somewhere else. The army takes them and puts them at a different station. And they don't, all their brothers are gone. You know, they have to make new friends. You know, it's like going to a new school. And they... That's when a lot of the, like, they kind of, like, seep and they kind of go inside and shut the rest of the world out. And so I'm like, all right, that's one thing. And then another thing that happens is I've seen it six times. I've seen it six times happen after every suicide. Uh, a, dude, a dude would commit suicide in our unit. And then he, and then the, everybody that did that deployment with them or was in that unit with them, they would be like, all right, hey, we got to stick together as a family. We have to fight this, you know, and then we would be really close for like two, three months, you know, and then everybody kind of like teeter off and go back to doing their own things, you know, because we're all, you know, we're busy people. And so I'm like, all right, so let's set a no crap date and time to where you just check in with a buddy, you just call him to see what's up, you know. And then that's another thing I noticed is everybody's like, hey, if you got any issues, reach out to me. You know, and I, man, when I had issues, I didn't want to reach out to anybody. I didn't want anybody in my business. You know, Matt, uh, when he was at my house that day, he had to pull it out of me. And because, you know, males, people, people in general, humans, we're just stu- a lot of us are stubborn, you know, so we have to get that that truth really pulled out of us. So I'm like, all right, the, eight, the 22nd of each month at 1800. And I wrote up this thing on Facebook. And I'm like, let's call it story time. At 1800, on the 22nd of each month, yeah, I picked the 22nd because that's, that's like 
you know, the veteran suicide number, you know, for the longest time, I was 22 veterans a day and then 1800 at six o'clock. So a lot of guys, it's like, right. You know, you know, dinner times almost either there or over, you know, it's, it's like when the day starts winding down, kind of, you know, it was in my mind for 1800 and I'm like, all right, let's just set this, let's just set it to that. And then, you know, everybody was like, yeah, dude, this is a good idea. This is awesome. I like it. And then the next month rolled around and I just seen my whole Facebook feed was just blown up with, hey, story time, check in on your buddies. It's 22nd, it's 1800, call somebody. I'm like, awesome, this is doing something. And then I went and uh, one thing that helped me get over uh, alcohol was arts and crafts, like woodworking and stuff like that. And me, me and my wife, we went out and bought a cricket and I got that, you know, like the little sticker cutter. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm like, awesome. I was so excited to get it, but I didn't know what to make with it. And <laughs> I'm like, you know, and it was just like, I just typed in hashtag story time, help prevent veteran suicide. And that's the biggest thing for me, prevent veteran suicide, not bring awareness to it. Like we're aware of the problem. I'm aware I stepped on this piece of glass. Now, how am I going to get it out? You know, so that was my thing. I'm like, help prevent veteran suicide. And uh, I put, once again, I put those stickers on my Facebook. And next thing you know, all my buddies are like, bro, like, how do I get involved in this? How do I, you know, I want one of these stickers. Where'd you get them? And I'm like, bro, I just, I made them myself, man. And he, they're like, awesome. Like, how much you want for them? And with me, like, I'm a, I'm a real simple kind of dude, like nothing real fancy or anything. And I couldn't really put a price on it. And so I was like, dude, just donations, man. I don't give, I don't really care. Like, I just, I'm done going to funerals. Like, that's my biggest thing. Um, I'm just, I can't, dude, I, just, I don't want to go to any more funerals. Uh, so just donations, you know? And then that took off. And it was about the third or fourth day of staying up till two o'clock in the morning, making these stickers for people. That my wife, she's like, well, you know, we can't really go anywhere for COVID because of COVID. So you want to go all in and we can put our honeymoon money into this. <laughs> and I'm like, are you, I'm like, seriously? And she's like, yeah. So we, we went all in. And um, then when we started getting like bringing money in uh, from these donations and stuff like that, me and my wife were thinking and it's like, OK, well, what are we going to do with this? How are we going to affect? How are we going to better the veteran community? How are we going to prevent veteran suicide? What do you want to do with this money? And I looked into a bunch of like bigger end organizations. Like now being a nonprofit, um, I see a bunch of like the littler guys like myself. Um, but I looked into the bigger ones and I wasn't just quite, I wasn't really jiving with how they worked. And I'm like, you know what? My dad raised me. If you don't like the way it's done, do it yourself. So. I'm like, all right, let's do this. And then we set up the uh, four pillar program. And the first pillar is 1800, you know, on the 22nd of each month, you're just reaching out to your buddy. And then we have our second pillar, which is community outreach. Uh, You know, like uh, going on podcasts, uh, like what I'm doing today, Um, talking to units, going to units and talking to them, showing my story. Um, talking to behavioral health specialists and also talking to the communities like be like you know some of these civilians they're like they, 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 it's like it's just mind-blowing some of the questions they came up they come up and ask 
you know, I've had a dude ask me, he's come up, like, I didn't know this dude from Adam. And he was like, hey, man, have you ever killed anybody? And I'm just like, well, I never really stopped to check, bro. But, you know, like, how do you ask a person that? Yeah. Like, and so, like, you know, I go out and I talk to these people about stuff like that and um, behavioral health specialists, like, how to better engage with veterans. Because that's one thing I noticed at the hospital is, like, I can understand that they're coming from, like, uh, like a medical aspect type thing. But the way the Army is, it's like, oh, you, your knees hurt? Awesome. I'm going to give you this. I'm going to give you this medicine. Your pain's going to go away. You can truck on. So I think that's where a lot of like the dependency issues come from. And so it's either they're throwing medication at you or they're, they're teaching. Like I had this one lady, this one behavior health specialist. She's like, when you get stressed out, you need to do what's called bearing down. <laughs> and it's where like you flex, you got to act like you got to go to like, you got, you're like, you're going to fart. Like that's what you need to do. And what it's going to do is it's going to tighten up the, the blood vessels that go through your legs. And then when you release it, it's going to shoot all this blood up into your brain and it'll relax you. And I'm sitting there listening to this lady and I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. You know, so we talked to behavioral health specialists a little bit on like how to better engage with these dudes. Um, and then also, uh, and then our last two pillars, uh, physical fitness and the outdoors, which were two huge things that helped me through uh, overcoming alcoholism, um, you know, behavioral health, like, cause everybody thinks like self-medication is like boozing or, you know, abusing, uh, prescription medicine and stuff like that. No, like shed hunting for me right now, that is the best self-medication I ever could ever do in my life. Uh, being out in deer hunting, turkey hunting, and then going to the gym, it's like a, a baptizing experience almost. You know what I mean? Like all that crud and bad crap that happened today. It's just, you're just going to leave it on the floor, like just right next to the sweat. And, um, so those were our four pillars because I noticed that the reason I picked, and also the reason I picked, uh, hunting and, um, physical fitness is for a little, like, you know, like physical fitness, releasing those endorphins you know, getting that runner's high back and stuff. And then what I had also noticed, a bunch of my buddies uh, that got out of the Army, they they gained, like, quite a bit of weight when they got out because they're like, oh, yeah, you know, I'll, you know, I'll go, they're so used to going to the gym, having such a structure. And then they get out and they're like, yeah, I'll go to the gym tomorrow. Nope, go to the gym next week. Go to the gym next month. You know, and, and they keep procrastinating it and they gain this weight and then they feel down about themselves you know, and then they have relationship issues, you know, it kind of just like snowballs. So we, we give them a, we give them that structure back, you know, we give them that goal to shoot for, uh, you know, setting these dudes up with, we will sponsor them to go to weightlifting events, CrossFit events, um, you know, things like that. So they see that hundred meter target or that 300 meter target. And they're like, all right, that's my 300 meter target. All right. Now I got to get in the gym. I got to get these movements down. I got to get my cardiovascular system up. You know, it gives them that goal. And it almost gives them, also gives them that little push to get in, you know, get outside their box and go, go experience something new. And then with hunting, why I chose hunting also was what I also noticed is dudes get out. Um, dude, guys join the army a lot like myself. They join the army when, you know, they're 18, 19 years old. And that's really a time that we're supposed to be learning like who we are as men. You know what I mean? That's like a really big developmental time. 
and you got the you know but it's spent in afghanistan iraq uh you know all these different places and the army tells you almost who you're going to be to an extent you know what i mean where you're going to be at what time what you're going to do um you know places you're going to go you know and then also like it also gives you that identity you know like me i'm christopher labuse i'm a united states army infantryman you know that's my identity and then when you get out you're not you're not an infantryman anymore you're a civilian and with with hunting especially with like archery like that's why i love bow hunting and like it's pretty funny because everybody thinks i'm this huge gun nut because i you know i have all this background in, in you know weapons and all these different classes that the armies give me and stuff and they think i'm this huge gun nut and i, I own two guns in my or three guns in my house the rest are bows because and then two of them were are like family heirlooms that my great great granddaddy bought from like a Sears and Roebuck catalog. And then the other one's an AR pistol that I built when I was bored. And the rest is like my Matthews bow. That's my that's my pride and joy. But it's because hunting, it also it gives them that new identity. I'm a bow hunter. I'm a duck hunter. You know what I mean? That's something they could take massive amount of pride in, just like how they did in the army. And then with bow hunting, the reason why I kind of definitely fell in love with it is because it plays off of the strengths of being an infantryman, but also it's just far enough away, you know, like as an infantryman, you can know, you know, where like the high speed avenues of approach are eh, for these game because animals like deer acts just like human, you know, walk the same game trail, you know, you can pattern them and, and, and things like that. And so an infantry, or a guy in the army will know, all right, I'm going to set my deer stand up here. And then with archery, it gives them, it's not a gun. And it, it takes a lot more fine tuning, I believe. You know what I mean? And so that gives them that like sense of purpose. All right, I got to go shoot my bow today. You know what I mean? I got to get that fine tuned. You know, it's not just the five or, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, Basic you don't got your dope uh, set, you know, you don't yeah, have your dope yeah, exactly. set and, and you know, it's good to go. You just got to yeah. make your adjustments and it's there. But yeah, with the bow, it's, yeah. it's a continual evolution of practice and, uh, and, and exactly. discipline to get to where you need to be. Now I'm not saying that it doesn't take discipline to become an expert marksman, oh, but, yeah. but, um, just because you got your bow set, there's a lot more variables to, to mm -hmm. the archery, you know, with your form and everything versus a, a rifle. So yeah, no, I, I totally get that, man. Yeah. And so that's why I really picked those two. And then it's just like, it just kept snowballing. Um, and I got really, really lucky. Uh, Howitzer Fire or uh, Howitzer Clothing. Uh, they've been really awesome. And I love, I fell in love with them. And the, uh, the owner, Ben's awesome. Um, one of my old soldiers that I, because I used to teach machine gun theory for 10th Mountain. And, uh, one of my old soldiers that I taught in the course, he's the, like the business, the head uh, marketing dude for Steyr. And he's seen it. He's like, bro, I pitched this to my boss. He's a fire service Marine. Like he loves it. So I really, like, it was almost like the perfect storm. How everything got set up. Like I'm a realist. I'll tell you how it is. I'll tell you what I went through and I can, I can kind of give you tips and tricks on how to fix it. And then I'm also constantly like, I never, like you can ask a lot of my friends, I'll never, I, I, I will never settle for average. And it's so I always keep pushing, always trying to figure out like, what can I do to keep 
from going to a funeral to keep my to keep to keep from losing buddies and like this year was the first year i've trapped ever i got a couple i got a bunch of buddies into it uh because that was a thing that you know the the season's longer and you have and in the state of indiana you have to check every day so that it's almost like a groundhog's day like you have to get you know you have that reason to go to bed early for a long period of time you have that you have reason to go to bed early to wake up early uh, to get out and check those traps and then when you see that coyote in it you just get that instant adrenaline rush You're like oh yeah man <laughs> or in the in the state of indiana you can't trap um you can't trap bobcats so when you got that bobcat in your trap like oh crap i gotta get the catch pole and figure out how i'm gonna get this dude out of there today it's not gonna be good but it's always fun they're trying to take that away from us in illinois right now too the oh tra- really trapping of bobcats or hunting of bobcats and uh, I feel it's just one cog in the wheel of trying to death by a thousand cuts, as you know, mm-hmm. you know, from every avenue, whether it's federal or state these days, everybody's trying to take something away from you. But yeah. not to take away from what you're saying. I'm sorry. Oh, no. <laughs> but, <laughs> no, yeah. Like, it's like, it's pretty ridiculous because, like, when I lived in Kansas, when I was stationed at Fort Riley, um, Bobcats, you could, you could hunt them, trap them, no problem. And then I get to Indiana and I was like researching. And it's like, oh, you, you have to let bobcats go. I've seen, I've seen a lot of bobcats running around this year, but uh, yeah, that's so. And it's like we've had a bunch of people being really like a bunch of organizations. Uh, a lot of people are like, man, you bring up a solid point. Like, cool, yeah, doing twenty-two push-ups, you know, for twenty-two days. That's awesome because it brings awareness. But I think we're all clearly aware what's, excuse me, like what's going down right now. And like, this is my, this is my way to this. This is my t- like my final stand is what I like to say. Like, uh, uh, like this is my Alamo point. This it's is your Alamo position. Yeah. Yep. Yep. No, so. that's uh, that's cool, man. I I think um, I know you always hear all these stories about people um, you know, rotating out of the military and losing their purpose and just not having you know, a self-worth or self-value or, or a lot of these things. But I think, I, I know a lot of civilians ask a lot of stupid questions to uh, to vets, you know, and um, I can't believe people actually ask things like that without actually getting to know you better or whatever. Yeah. To be honest, who even cares whether someone's dealt death or not? It's not something that really anybody wants to process, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But um, I think... I think there's a lot of things, what you said, that could relate to a lot of people, though. Um, I, I mean, yeah. it's definitely more prevalent within within the the veteran community as far as how many, you know, suicides and lives that are taken every day. And like you said, 22. I mean, that's just a ridiculous number that shouldn't mm-hmm. shouldn't happen. And I think I think it's pretty cool what you're doing with that. And uh, the whole outdoors thing, man, I mean there's so many studies that, you know, outdoor therapy, nature therapy, right? Um, I think that's a huge part that and physical fitness as well, man. A lot of people, everybody, like you said, they want, they want to take a pill. They want to take a pill to Mm -hmm. fix something because it's easy, right? But easy, easy doesn't make it good. Like you, like you said, you know, you don't want to settle for just average, Mm -hmm. right? I think um, that's a lot of people and it's definitely me too. I mean, I used to, a long time ago, I, I actually, I didn't have much of purpose either. Um, I, I went through a period of my life where I didn't know what the hell I was going to do, wanted to do. Um, 
I drank a lot, a heck of a lot. Uh, and I kept a thing on my wall. I actually was trying to be a, a law enforcement officer at the time. And I got a rejection letter and I kept it on a bulletin board. And my wife, she goes at the time she was my girlfriend. And she's like, why are you keeping that? You know, and just gave me like attitude about it. And she's like, throw that out. And I said, no, I said, that's a reminder that I wasn't good enough, but I can be, and I will be right. Even though I changed direction and didn't go that direction in life. But, um, I think, I think it's good to have reminders and, and set goals for yourself. Like you said, you know, and try and give somebody that purpose. And I think it's cool what you're doing with that, man, for sure. Thanks, man. And, and, um, you know, I mean, I, I, it's hard not to drink. I haven't drank in like 11 years, man. Um, staying sober sometimes not having that outlet is is very very tough and and um if i don't get the outdoors it's uh it puts you in a bad place man like uh getting that physical exercise like you said getting getting that the dopamine flowing getting all your your hormones regulated through the physical activity and getting that vitamin d that sunshine Mm -hmm. on your face breathing that fresh air and just trying to distance yourself from the fast paced, everything, everything in society, everything is just constant. It's constant movement, constant involvement. I just want to sit sometimes and watch it all go by. And, uh, I think it's, it's cool that you're doing that and helping people. And like when you had that thing where you were doing collecting donations for all the stuff, I was so happy to like help support that. And, um, it's just awesome because, I mean, it's a good thing, especially somebody that's not into hunting or something like that. Mm-hmm. Given a vet purpose, I think that's that's really cool, um, you know. And I, I, man, I'm cooped up right now at work doing a lot of stuff and not having much time to get out. And, man, I, I tell you right now, I can feel it. I'm tired. I'm drained all the time. You know what I mean? You don't get that energy yeah. from, from, like, a workout. So. Man, that's awesome. So kind of tell me a little bit more about the hunting thing and what you guys are doing for people. So, like, I know there's, there's like, a bunch of organizations out there that take uh, veterans deer hunting and just did, did, sends them on these, like, elk trips and all this stuff. And I wanted to take a little bit different of approach because, you know, you know, you, teach, you, know you, you give a man a fish, you feed him for a day, you teach a man how to fish, you give him fish for a lifetime, you know, he eats for a lifetime. And so what I really like to do is link up with veterans in their home state. Uh, I've done it with three different veterans here in Indiana, uh, Kentucky, uh, where else? Tennessee. And uh, that was just all this year in or no, in, uh, West Virginia. And uh, what I'll do is like, I'll take them. Like they usually, they want to get into hunting. They just don't know how to. So I'll, I'll take him out hunting or we had one dude. It was so cool. It was the first dude. It was, it was right when story time kind of kicked off and it was getting into deer season. And, uh, he was a dude actually from my 2009 deployment and he uh, ended up getting uh, medically retired. And I'm like, Hey man, like this, like it was so crazy because I hadn't seen him in 12 years or well, 11 years. And through story time, through just like calling, reaching out to your buddies, Turns out he lives five minutes down the road from me. Like I've literally drove past his house going to uh, Smoothie King. Like it's in, like, and I never would have <laughs> thought. And I'm like, man, 
like, let's get you out into the woods, dude. And he's like, well, I do have a crossbow, but I really don't have anything else. I'm like, don't worry. I'll take care of every, everything. So we took him. We took him to the range. We got his crossbow sighted in. And then we went and we went scouting. We set up some trail cameras. And then we got a nice, beautiful shooter buck on public land on the trail camera. And then... I, you know, we, I took him out, we set up the deer stand where we wanted to, where, where, you know, where I think it'd be good. And maybe about a month later, he calls me up and it was, it was horrible because that was on a, that was a Sunday night. He calls me and Saturday, we, uh, Friday and Saturday, we took a guy, uh, that was actually a stage four cancer survivor, uh, and also a veteran. We took him to a CrossFit competition and it was a team CrossFit competition. And so I was sore. I was kind of like licking my wounds on Sunday. And he, he texted me and he's like, bro, I got him. And like, I just, I jumped up and like, you would have thought I was on fire because I was so <laughs> sore, but I still just, I shot up. I put my shoes on my wife's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, Van Camp got that buck. And I'm like, I'm like, I call him up. My like, dude, I'm on my way. You know, let's yeah, I'll help you find him. you know? And just, it's pretty cool to be there. I was there for the whole process of it. And like, passing on that lost art you know of, of getting out of the woods because a lot of dudes like you know sometimes like hunting can be intimidating and it was so cool to be there from zeroing it zeroing his uh his crossbow to helping him load it up into the truck and take it to the processor and to get it mounted and it, it was a beautiful shooter buck and it, it's that's that's where i believe really comes in is it's like because your prop, like the dude's problems are going to be there, you know, because we got, like, I really didn't want to do it, but we got two elk hunts planned this year and we're working on a bear hunt and then like a hog hunt in Texas. And I really didn't want to do them because it's like their problems are going to be there after or before the problems are going to be there before the hunt and their problems might be there after the hunt, you know, but I'm like, all right. Well, at least you're going to have them with you on that hunt. So you can take that time to be like, all right, man, like, be real with me. You know, I have those conversations that you have in like the deep woods, mm -hmm. you know, and some guys like the most, some of the most meaningful conversations in my life have happened in a little wooden guard shack on deployment. Like some of the crap you talk about is just insane. And uh, so that's where I'm going with those three is to get these dudes, you know, they've never been on these elk hunts, probably couldn't afford it, um, or these bear hunts or the the um, the hog hunt, uh, to get these dudes out there and to teach them, all right, man, like this is how you can do it. And then also what we're working on is almost like a pro staff uh, that I like to call it. And because, you know, I've been in the Army 12 years, I got buddies all over the country. and that, that are just more than willing to help. And it's like, all right, man. And then, so now I have like, for instance, I got a buddy, I got a couple of buddies in Washington. So a, if like a wife or a friend reaches out to me and they're like, Hey, I got this buddy. He's having some issues. I think he could use your help. And I got buddies stationed at Lewis that I can call up and be like, Hey man, I'm going to hook you up with this, this crossbow that I got. I'm going to send you it. I'm going to send you this gear for this guy. You just take them out into the woods and story time, you know, cover your licenses, 
it'll cover, you know, so much of the game processing fees and you know what I mean? And it'll just, so that way either get that pro staffers, getting them out into the woods and it almost extends our reach a little bit farther. And, uh, so that's, that's where we're really going with the, like the hunting aspect of it. No, that's pretty cool. I, so. I, like one of the things kind of crazy is I got like one of my buddies that, well, actually a couple of my buddies, but, uh, one in particular that we, we grew up, you know, best friends do each other our whole lives and then just life gets in the way and you kind of, mm-hmm. you drift apart or whatever. You don't see each other once or twice a year. And then, uh, what's funny though, is we always get together hunting season and my wife's like, well, what do you talk about? And we're like, hunting you know she's like well what about like you know family or how's how are they doing or whatever and we're like i tell her you know that's we do that on the way out of the woods but when we're in the woods we just talk about hunting and we reconnect through right. that that's uh it's pretty cool so man i appreciate it thank you for coming on and definitely sharing your story it's uh it's good to hear that you got the help and you want to help others man um I think I think it's a good thing what you're doing. And can you tell people before we go though where they can uh, look you up or reach out to you or any of that stuff? Yeah, uh, we have our website. It's uh, www.storytimeproject.com, and then we also have our Instagram and Facebook, which is Storytime underscore zero five twenty. All right, man. Cool. I appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. Oh, thanks for having me, man. Once again, thank you so much for listening to the Publicly Challenged Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show, and if you did, please subscribe on whatever platform it is you're listening to. Also, if you could leave a review, that would help us out. And you can check us out on Instagram or at publiclychallenged.com. And once again, thank you so much for listening to the show. Through the Blackwater bayous and in the dark Louisiana night floats a duck camp, alive with the sounds of swamp pop and the smells of Cajun cooking. From the Mississippi Delta in Venice to the Cajun prairies of the Southwest, me and the Duck Camp Dinners crew will be hunting and eating it all. This is Duck Camp Dinner. Join me, Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois, and the whole crew every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment.